0: Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shore.
1: Hello and welcome to the Women Today podcast. This week we discovered how you can give it all away to live a fuller, richer life. We heard what it's like to take children out of school to give them a global life experience. I got a little bit excited about Beth interviewing a cartoon vampire from my favourite TV show, <coughs> Adventure Time, and we went down on the farm with the Andersons. But first, next week is Inspiring Women Week and we heard from Ramsey Grammar School headteacher Annette Baker about the range of events designed to encourage young women to feel they aren't just restricted to typically female roles in the
2: workplace unbelievably in 2016 there's still an issue with stereotyping amongst girls and boys sort of girls being put off going for certain careers because they think it's just for basically boys to do and boys likewise thinking that um that's a bit odd a girl considering a a career in that particular area because that's traditionally where you know men have chosen to work so Lots of work to be done there, and on the back of the Inspiring the Future initiative, the Inspiring Women uh, initiative seeks to capitalise on on the success of Inspiring the Future and bring a lot more information about the jobs available to, to young women.
1: It's crazy, really, isn't it? Because you really would have thought in today's age that that was
2: not an issue anymore. Unbelievably, it is. In the creative arts, for example, I was really surprised to find that. Even somewhere where where you'd think things would be a little bit more even, there's a a predominance of of males uh, as to females employed in that area as well as the traditional areas of of engineering and technology where where girls traditionally in the past haven't automatically gravitated towards there's still a job of work to be done there and that's why we've become engaged in this initiative and why we're hoping for such traction out there in 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 terms of mobilizing girls thoughts towards considering something they wouldn't normally consider
1: so you've got a number of
2: events happening throughout next week
1: just give us an idea of some of the speakers you have coming over
2: Um, Well, it actually kicks off with a football game, the Isle of Man women's team against the under-21s, with a guest appearance by uh, Jenna Deer, who's a a professional footballer, plays for Everton, I'm pleased to say, and she also plays for England, so she just signed for Everton, I believe, and she's going to come over to the island and is going to speak to groups of of young girls and and the teams actually involved in this game as well, so that's going to kick us off if you pardon the pun, on Monday at Castle Russian at 6.15. So Um, can anybody go to the uh, match on Monday? Yes, anybody can go. Um, It's completely free and it's at 6.15 at Castle Russian High School. So anybody anybody's interested in football, basically get yourselves down there. So uh, Wednesday we are having a speed date here at Ramsey Grammar School where we're we're, we're very pleased to have quite a lot of the speakers from the diversity conference who are joining us as well as Madam President Claire Christian who's going to open the event for us. Very pleased that Madam President... Is able to come along to this again. Nick Chambers from the Education and Employers Task Force will also be there. And we've got a, a really wide and diverse range of um, participants in the Speed Date. Uh, and amongst those, we'll be having Dr. Fiona Barsells Ellis, the Global Head of Equality and Opportunity and, and Diversity at the British Council, Miranda Whelan, Diversity and Inclusion Manager at ITV. And uh, we've also got Heather Melville, Director of Strategic Partnerships at RBS. Diana Warman, Public Policy Advisor for Diversity at the CIPD, and Karen Bellian, Founding and Managing Director of Liverpool-based training and development company, Othella, Helen Butters, uh, she was one of the all-women team that recently rode the Atlantic Mm -hmm. in the um, Taliska Whiskey Atlantic Challenge, and she's speaking to students at Balakameen on Tuesday, the 22nd of March. So a really wide and diverse and high-profile range of speakers, really, who uh, we're really looking forward to to working with our Year 9s. Another traditionally male-orientated area are the armed forces, and we've got the Navy uh, coming up, and also British Petroleum um, are going to be doing, doing a talk in, in our school. You know, the, the oil rigs and all that kind of thing are traditionally something which girls wouldn't consider or would associate with British Petroleum, but they wouldn't necessarily be aware of the range of career options uh, available with that company. And we hope that all of these events will will encourage girls to consider really the full range of career options open to them and will give them the inspiration and the, uh, and the aspiration, if they haven't already got it, to pursue careers in, in areas that traditionally um, they might have thought weren't open. You're listening to Women
3: Today on Manx Radio 20 to 3. We're also talking this afternoon about the services available on the island for people with hearing issues, and our guests in the studio are the head of the island's audiology services, Stephen Griffiths, and the Children's Hearing Clinic lead audiologist, Fiona Kelly. Glad I didn't struggle with the word audiologist again there. Um, Now, Stephen, we were talking about the advances that have been made um, with regard to technology um, in dealing with people, older people who've got hearing problems. So how has that changed? There is that stereotypical image of the really massive hearing aid that nobody wants.
4: Yes, and if you go back um, maybe ten years, we had the big beige, uh, behind-the-ear type hearing aids that everyone, you know, typically thinks of. Nowadays, we have um, more up to date digital, fully digital hearing aids that use very fine tubes into the ear that, you know, you, you really can't see. So from a cosmetic perspective they're much more acceptable nowadays than they used to be Uh, but we also think that attitudes towards hearing aids and hearing loss has changed as well so people are more accepting of them.
3: So we know that um, hearing issues do go along with with the aging process but at what point should someone seek out help?
4: Well at any stage really that they they think they have a problem so if they're struggling to hear family members uh, if they're struggling in background noise or struggling to hear the tv having to turn it up which is a annoying their partner, then that's the time to, to you know to get in touch with us. We can assess what's going on and, um, and provide the help that's needed.
3: And how can people do it? Is it always something that needs to be done through a doctor, that referral process?
4: Well, historically and at the moment, yes, that, that is the case. If anyone wants to come through audiology at Nobles, they have to go through the GP or the practice nurse to do that. Um, however, at the moment, we are developing a self-referral process for patients wanting to come through to Nobles which we are implementing from the 1st of April, um, which will allow anyone over the age of 50 um, with, with you know, usual age-related hearing loss to refer themselves so they won't need to go by the GP anymore and that's something we're quite, we're quite excited about at the moment.
3: So that's going to make a huge difference for people who maybe just don't want to have to go through the whole long waiting process, what is a typical waiting time for people in audiology?
4: Uh, from the point of referral at the moment to being seen is about 8 weeks.
3: Okay, so um, Fiona, you deal with um, the children side of things and we've heard again that uh, we have those newborn hearing tests which hopefully will pick up any issues. What are the most likely causes of any hearing issues in young people?
5: Um, the majority of hearing problems in, in younger children are associated with the middle part of the ear with inflammation and congestion, often associated, associated with coughs and colds. Um, it's a condition called glue ear, which is a build up of fluid behind the eardrum, which causes a, a mechanical blockage and, and causes a mild, moderate hearing loss. This is extremely common in young children. It tends to peak between the ages of about two and four, uh, coincidentally um, with the... Um, Beginning of nursery attendance, usually, and then again, perhaps with school, you know, exposure to new bugs. Um, it, it's really common, as I say, up to 90% of children will at any one time have a problem with, with their hearing, and it can cause um, a variety of symptoms. Um, often, often with glue ear, there are no symptoms other than the mild hearing loss, there's no pain, there's no fever. Um, so, parents are often unaware that there's a problem, perhaps until something's mentioned at school or nursery. It must be very
1: difficult, as I suppose with any sort of um, GP practice, it must be very difficult to deal with toddlers and babies, especially when you're trying to sort of get into their ears and see what's going on. How do you sort of keep
5: them distracted or how do you deal with that? It can be difficult. Um, we are used to it. We usually have two members of staff, at least in the clinic. And we try to make it fun for the children. We try to um, have testing as play-based. We are not afraid to get down on the floor and get the bricks and the Lego out and, and play games. And with younger children, toddlers and babies, we um, we have a system of tests where we um, condition them, if you like, that whenever a noise comes on, something exciting happens. Usually um, a toy lights up in a box or something like that. So we sort of condition them that every time that happens, something good happens and they'll start to look for the sound themselves so it's it's largely play-based with children but we do have a lot of objective tests and things we can do things we pop in their ears as long as they'll let us which they <laughs> won't always have, have you ever had the experience i remember seeing
1: um, a video there's a few of them now of um, babies that have been profoundly deaf and it, the experience is, is captured on video of them having their hearing aids switched on and the face is yes. just, yeah.
5: oh, it's so moving. It, have it you is. ever had that? It is, It's a, it can be amazing. It, it doesn't always happen like that. Some babies, you will switch their hearing aids on the first time and they will scream. Some will be quiet, but yeah, I have seen it and it is lovely. It brings a tear to the eye of the parents. Babies will just, usually the eyes widen, they look around, they can't believe it. And it is it is a wonderful feeling for, for the parents and for the staff involved in it as well. It's great, it's very rewarding.
3: Because hearing issues, um, if they are left untreated, I guess, in young people can lead to other problems, especially I think with speech development.
5: Yes, speech and language develop, it's really important Let's say we test all babies or we offer all babies a hearing test Um, within the first few weeks, it's really important. Um, There's often no indication that there'll be a hearing issue, you know, you can't tell when baby's born, but um, the sooner that there is a problem, if it's discovered, the sooner it's treated or dealt with it, that they've got the best chance of developing normal communication and language and speech. So it's really important to get treatment, seek treatment early.
1: What should parents look out for? Because obviously if they're so young that they're not actually communicating yet, what what are sort of good things to look out for that might
5: suggest an issue? Well babies not reacting, small children not reacting to sounds, being perhaps very quiet themselves, not reacting to the doorbell things being dropped. Slightly older children, perhaps a delay in their language. Um, They can also suffer behavioural problems because of frustration, not being. Able to hear, they can suffer a tiredness straining to hear, you know, they can be very tired, easily tired and upset. So, there's quite a few things you can look out for. One of the things we were talking about
1: before, Stephen, before you came in, was um, the difference between uh, audiology departments over here and in the UK. And you were saying that we're quite fortunate in a way because we're not necessarily bound by some of the same regulations as the UK.
4: Mm. Yeah, we do follow the the same model of delivery of care, if you like, as, as our colleagues in the UK, but because we're not part of the NHS as such, we're able to adapt those policies um, to fit the Manx public better. Uh, And as um, some listeners may have seen recently in the press, um, there has been cases in the UK at the moment of hearing aid services being rationed and um, some people not getting hearing aids, which is fortunately something we don't have to worry about over here.
3: What sort of things then can we be doing to protect our hearing and and really keep our ears going for as long as possible? Keep your ears going, does that make sense? Yeah. Depends how fast it is.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Well, the first thing I would say is keep the cotton buds out. Oh, we had a question so- about mm. that, actually.
3: Yeah. what
4: What's the deal then, Stephen? Don't use them. Full stop. But so, what
5: if you've got stuff in
1: your ear?
4: Well, what we recommend is if, if you feel that you might have wax in the ears, then just, just to apply a couple of drops of olive oil and have them checked so we can take the wax out using more appropriate methods. The problem with cotton buds is you, you never quite know how far you're going in. Um, In a lot of cases you're actually pushing the wax further in so you end up with more of a blockage uh, And then there's the risk of going through the eardrum, of course, which brings with it infection and discomfort.
1: Well, oh, I have to admit, I had an ear infection as a kid and it's one of the most horrendously painful things, isn't it? It's mm. surprising Acuity how painful it is. ear infection is very,
5: very painful. Yeah, yes. awful.
1: Yeah. Um, I've got a question for you, actually, because I, I do a bit of music musician and um, it obviously it's one of those things, isn't it, that we do sort of wreck our ears by standing in front of drum kits and speakers being very loud and there was actually a very high-profile case in the news last week of uh, Brian Johnson, the singer from ACDC. Mm. He was told to stop touring immediately So literally, do not go to your next gig or you will be deaf, profoundly deaf. You're going to ruin your hearing. Mm. How can you protect your hearing? Because I know there are sort of little sort of dampeners and things out there, but do they actually work?
4: Oh, yes. And you can actually get um, quite a range of very specialised earplugs, custom-made earplugs that have specific specific filtering systems in them for for musicians. So, for example, if you've got a, a drummer... Um, they could invest in some plugs that have filters to allow specific drum sounds through, but dampen them to safe levels. And maybe levels. put
1: it on the drums too. <laughs> They're all too loud.
4: Yeah. So, so there's certainly solutions available for people to to protect themselves, but it's ultimately up to the individual to make that choice.
6: Adventure Time is about a boy and his dog, Finn and Jake. I play a character named Marceline, so she's getting an eight-part mini-series called Stakes, and it kind of dives into her background and her really kind of mysterious past of sort of how she became a vampire. Ugh, oh, well, Marceline want to go night-night.
7: Don't go night-night, Marcy. I'm worried. For real? Why? Nobody on record has ever cured vampirism, unless you count killing vampires as curing. In that case, you've cured tons, right? Tons is an understatement.
6: She's a thousand years old, and she's half demon, half vampire. So you kind of are gonna be learning about how that came to be. I just wonder
3: how difficult it
6: is just
3: giving your voice to a character rather than physically playing a role. What challenges does that pose?
6: Yeah, I mean, when I first got into animation, I thought, oh, it's going to be easier because you just have to go in and read these lines and you don't have to worry about your facial expressions or anything like that. But it's really a, a difficult task. And I, I mean, luckily, I've been this character for so many years that it's come become more natural, but... You really have to throw your whole body into it, and it's it's a difficult thing to have to portray every emotion with just your voice. I know how to get through this door. We're gonna lay down a chill jam. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep it cool.
7: <laughs> Let's see if you hacks can keep up with my raw talent.
6: La da 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 da. I'm gonna bury you in the ground I
3: suppose it's slightly different insofar as you may be not recognised in the street as much for being that person
6: (laughs) It's lovely I like going to, you know, events and stuff where people kind of know who you are but then in day-to-day life I'm just normal You don't like that? Or do you just not like me? Sorry I don't treat you like a goddess Is that what you want me to do? (laughs)
3: <laughs> because you are um, the, the little girl uh, from Love Actually who uh, did belt out that song All I Want for Christmas. Do people let you
6: forget that? Have you been able to move on from that moment? No. <laughs> but I mean, it's great. Um, you know, being a part of such a classic movie that's still loved and relevant is amazing. You know, not, not many people can say that. So this is an animation series. Um, It is aimed at children,
3: but adults love it as well. Why is that, do you think?
6: It's just such a funny show. The writing is really clever. There's a lot of smart humour to it, and I think it's really great because, you know, parents and kids watch it together, and they both find it just as equally funny.
0: Baking pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Baking
3: pancakes, that's what it's going to make. bacon pancakes. Very often with animated works, there are the little jokes in there for the adults, which hopefully a lot of the time go over children's head. To what extent
6: does that happen in this series? <laughs> I'd say quite a bit. It's such a lighthearted show, so everything is all in good fun. But, you know, there's definitely those jokes in there that are aimed towards the parents to make it to make it nice for them to be able to watch as well
5: shmow dude that guy's gonna dingle our bones into tapioca
3: pudding tell us a little bit more about imagination studios because that launched last summer and it really is described as an online destination for children to learn about what goes into making animation
6: yeah absolutely it's it's a really cool website you know it's really there to teach kids about how these shows come about what it's like to be an animator and you know kind of gives them a little behind the scenes look into how their favorite shows are made. And how much do you know about the process and how long it takes? It takes a long time to animate things. We record once a week as a voice actor but I know that I think one episode probably takes about three months in total from start to finish.
3: And is it some a series that you can watch yourself? You know, sometimes when you look back at uh, actual film footage of yourself, sometimes it can be quite difficult, but can you watch this series and not think, oh, I should have said that in a slightly different way?
6: You know, I, I do find myself kind of criticising episodes that I might be in, but I'm a huge fan of the show myself. I, I crack up when I watch it. And um, when the Marceline episodes come on, though, I'm kind of like, uh, kind of nitpicking at my acting chops a little bit but i think that's only natural for any any artist and you've actually written the theme tune um i did not write the theme but i had the chance to kind of do my own rendition of it for stakes which was really cool marceline got to put her own spin on it adventure time come on grab your friends we're going to a very distant land just a little.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, brilliant. Thank you so much for being with us this afternoon. Um, Just tell us where people can uh, watch this show.
6: Sure, yeah. Stakes airs Monday the 14th of March at 5pm on Cartoon Network.
0: Living so merry.
3: Just before the break, we were talking with our studio guest, Catherine Hodgson about what it was like to uh, go and live in a completely different environment uh, for just around two months. I just wonder, we've, we've talked a little bit about what your children gained from that, but what about the local community there? I'm intrigued as to why you chose that place. Um, well, the place we stayed, It's a, uh, the lady who owns the place is a social worker from London, and um, she set it up. It's called La Mali Posa, And basically, everything she makes goes back into the community. I mean, it was so poor. The people all around were just living in mud huts, but they were so beautiful people. It was just so amazing. And for my children to go out and go to the schools, which are just huts, you know, and, and see, we took out pencils and things for them. And, um, you know, for them to see how, how other children don't have what we have Um, again was part of the education for me because um, I think I don't think our children realise how lucky they are these days. As we may have mentioned on the show in the past, we are pretty proud of the fact that the Isle of Man was the first country in the world to give women the vote in national elections, 37 years before that opportunity was given first to the women in the UK, in fact. Now, somewhat surprisingly, perhaps uh, over 100 years later, there is only one female representative in the House of Keys out of 24 members. And when Catherine Nicholls spoke with Minister John Shimon about his decision to leave politics, this was one of the points he raised when she asked him about diversity and equality in government. I think
7: you've touched on one of the most problematic areas I see for the House of Keys, and it's not to do with age, it's to do with the gender mix. I've been quite disappointed that since, indeed, throughout the last House and all the time I've been in politics, there's been such an unequal division between males and females When Mrs. Cannell retired, that meant that the House of Keys had one out of 24 females. You then go to Tynwald and with the President, you then have two females. And that is outrageously inequality for the public of the Isle of Man to actually feel as if you've got a balance to represent the views. So I would say that in the House of Keys, we should be hoping to get far more women standing as candidates. I would love to see at least six female candidates elected. I think we need to get to that sort of number to actually try and get some representation that is um, appropriate. And would obviously say to people that if you are considering standing for the House of Keys election in September, um, if you feel I've got anything to contribute, particularly to women candidates, to explain the job, I would be more than happy to use my time left to assist people considering why they should stand, what the job entails... And if I have anything to offer, I'm happy to do so.
1: Babs, if you were to try and sum up minimalism in a sentence, what would you say? I think it's about living with less stuff. Yeah. What? what how much do you have to give away in order to class yourself as a minimalist? Well, I think if you if you sort of if you read
8: the the blog, and these guys are the supposed to kind of like experts on minimalism, it's different for everybody. But I think to be, you know, if you say you're, I, I'm going to be a complete and utter minimalist, <laughs> 90% of your stuff, I would say, is a good, you know, a, a yardstick. But you don't have, it's not, I, I must make this point, it's not about giving the stuff or, you know, um, jettisoning stuff and getting rid of stuff. That is not the point. That's not the focus. The focus is creating room for more stuff, but the stuff that's important or, or you know, so more time, more freedom, um, more money, because you know you're not consuming, you're not sort of buying every latest gadget that you know we are sort of pushed upon to, to, to buy. So yeah, so by all means, you know if you want to be a complete and utter get rid of all of your stuff and go and live in a cabin in the woods. But if you just want to kind of embrace some of the minimalist lifestyle, then just maybe try the thirty day challenge which the minimalists talk about on their blog and basically for 30 days, get get together with a partner who's willing to do it. So on the first day, you get rid of one item. On the second day, you get
9: rid of two items and so on and so on. Can and I so just stop you there really and ask you, hard. can you remember what your first item was that you got rid of?
8: I can't because I took a kind of a blitz attitude to it. And the minimalists, um, they, to, they took um, two different tacks. One of them did the whole kind of like, right, I'm just gonna get rid of everything. And the other guy packed everything up in boxes and then three weeks later decided what he'd missed and took only those items out of the boxes.
1: That's a really good idea. I'd quite like to do that.
9: So you can understand that. It yeah. freaks me out to think about getting rid of things. I mean, if you should see my house, I mean, my wardrobe in itself, you know. Oh the same. Oh, my goodness. I just don't, Is there anything that you regret throwing away? Yes, but it wasn't in this. Um, I'd, I'd sold or got rid of
8: all my vinyl. And, but this oh. wasn't in this minimalist, um, that was like five years ago, and that's the only thing I ever regret, but only because my daughter's like, where's all your vinyl? But from, you know, this last year when I, st- when I started throwing things out, there is not one single thing that I have missed, and I thought wow. I, it would be so difficult, because I was like, you know, I was one of those just-ins, just in case, I'll keep that, just in case. I had a collection of vintage clothes, because I loved, I had a vintage website at, once, at one point, and... That was really difficult, Um, getting rid of a lot of that. And I
3: had hats. Oh, my
8: Lord, I had so many hats, vintage hats, shoes, handbags, Um, books. Books was very, very difficult for myself and for my daughter. We took, I think it was 10 or 11 crates of books to the to the Immunity Centre.
1: It's interesting that, isn't it? Because books are a lovely thing to have. And they, I, I think when you have them sort of on bookshelves, same with vinyl, you do feel like when people come round, it's almost like a representat- representation of who you Indeed. are, isn't it? But then how often do you go back and reread a book, I suppose?
9: And, and what about all those herbs and spices that you've got in the cupboard? You know, the ones that are in date. You know, I mean, I just think of my kitchen cupboards. You know, it's not just actually books and vinyl and clothing, but also your food cupboards as well, food cupboards. Yeah, I think we
8: all hoard in our food cupboards, don't we? Yeah. And, and I really like to cook, so you know, I do actually. You know, I, I do keep herbs and spices in. And um, but again, it's kind of like no. no I think nobody's saying you must get rid of everything. Just have a look at your life, sort of. You know, have a measure up and see. Do I really, really need that in my life? Is it taking up space? Is it just creating clutter? Um, and Maybe put it in a box. That's probably, if you're a little bit wary, I think the sort of putting things in boxes is a really good idea. I cheated a little bit and I have got a couple of boxes in my mum's loft, which she <laughs> loves to remind me about again. And But I thought, okay, I'm really struggling with this choice, for example. You know, it's particularly personal items, maybe photographs or, you know, just think little things that remind you of a certain event. So I thought, right, put it in a box. If I haven't missed it, it's going to go. It's going to go in the summer. And I've marked in my calendar different dates to sort of like, right, okay, go and open this box, have a look in. Do you need it? No. Have you missed it? No. Right, give it away, sell it, you know, donate it, whatever. It really get it does get easier, I promise you. And as I say, nobody's saying, oh, you must get rid of all your stuff. Just think about it. And the freedom that comes with having less clutter um, It's addictive. So is it sort of a psychological thing then? Definitely. Without a doubt. It's psychologically very freeing. And I had a lot of clutter. I really did. Mm. And so that, that feeling of letting go and not having to kind of find places for stuff and
9: what about shopping trips? I mean, I'm not being funny. Yep. I get a real buzz from going out, like, say, for instance, to a shop in town that's quite well known for needing a bit of time to rummage through and get a bargain, okay? Okay. And I really enjoy it when I do get things, and I get, like, enjoyment out of maybe purchasing a new few things. How often do you say that you go shopping these days?
8: Well, I was never a, a huge shopper, um, sort of high street shopper anyway. I've always been a huge fan of charity shopping. Um, charity sh- I'm, You know, I just love it. I think... There's so many benefits to it. Okay, one, you know, you're, you're not sort of adding to landfill because you're sort of rescuing something from landfill. Two, you're helping the charity out by buying something. And three, um, you know, you're getting something unique and mm-hmm.
1: probably not sort of going to bump in and quite often they can be designer things can't they that you find in charity shops that you know someone who is maybe slightly better off than I would be has cleared out their closet and especially on the Isle of Man in some of the sort of charity shops you find amazing items I know
9: my mum used to love going over to London and going to places like Chelsea and going to the charity shops because you're right you used to get really good bargains but I think you have to be of that mentality you know in the first place it does maybe make it slightly easier if you are of the mentality where you can go and get things and you're quite happy to recycle as well yes
8: yeah, I think you do have to, but you know, again, it's sort of small steps, and uh, it, you know, and I, I, I keep emphasizing this. It's not for everybody, mm-hmm. and nobody's pointing a finger and say, "Oh, you must all be minimalists." But you know, I think maybe people should sort of question. And interesting that you say you get a buzz out of you know shopping. A lot of women do, mm-hmm. but I think if you if you read you know a lot of research will say actually you will get a buzz, but it's very um, short lived, very short
9: lived, very. And mm-hmm. actually,
8: when you get home and maybe you've worn the item once.
9: Um,
1: You know, are you still getting a buzz from it?
9: Absolutely. Yeah, no, I totally agree.
1: You know, something I found was interesting when I was looking at the Minimalist website, um, they were talking about computers and smartphones and saying that actually, and I wouldn't have thought about this, of course, having a computer or a smartphone will remove a lot of the stuff that you would normally have because you don't necessarily need CDs or your vinyl anymore, DVDs because you can have movies on there, paper files, photo albums, calendars, calculator books, phone books, notebooks, newspapers, all of it can be in that often, smartphone, yeah. tiny little thing. So with the advent of technology, which almost seems sort of contradictory, yes, contradictory in a way, it, that's right. it actually helps the minimalistic yes. cause in a way.
8: Well, I think probably people just get the wrong impression of minimalism. You know, they imagine this sort of like stark Swedish house with nothing in it. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know... It, it, if you're focusing on the stuff then you're kind of missing the point that the the whole point of minimalism is to create more time more freedom more money um and it's it's, it can mean a different you know different things to different people so my version of minimalism will be different to perhaps you know the 20 year old guy living in the in the suburbs in new york all very different
1: I've just been told that I might be delivering a lamb shortly. I'm slightly nervous about that. I know, I'm here with Fiona. Hi, Fiona. Hi. What a beautiful day to be up here, and what a beautiful
0: location you live in. We're very fortunate, aren't we? It's lovely. Actually, after this winter, it is so lovely to see the sun. Oh, it makes such... It must have been very difficult for you with the amount of rainfall. It's been a... Terrible, ghastly winter. I think it's the worst one since we've been back in the island 10 years. It's been the worst one certainly since we've been back. We try and keep the animals on as few fields as possible and on well drained fields as much as possible, especially now with lambing time coming up. You need lots of grass growing for our little sheep with all their new lambs, so yeah, it's been tricky. So, how many breeding ewes do you have? So now we've got about 200 breeding ewes plus a few rare breed odds and ends. I can hear the noise of lambs. I'll sit on the table. Oh, <laughs> bless
1: them. So, John, we have uh, stumbled across a number of lambs here. They are so cute. How, what age are these?
10: So these were all born within the last week. Um, some of them were born about two or three days ago. I've kept them indoors for a couple of days. Although the weather's perfect, really, it's just to check them, making sure they're drinking and getting strong enough. And then they, they've been turned out, most of them today, some yesterday. And this, in this field, we've just got twins. It's a very fine line between life and death with lambing. It's a real... Um, tearjerker sometimes but
1: uh, for the lambing um, season in particular if it's rough weather is it must be so difficult to deal with
10: well the the supreme example I suppose was three years ago when it snowed and particularly on the west coast of the island we were really hit very heavily by that and that went on for three weeks plus and uh, that was exceptional so that was really hard and thankfully lots of friends and neighbours came and helped us out but we don't really want a repetition of that in my lifetime, hopefully anyway. We're trying to um, get a local market so your meat really is local and you know exactly which fields they've been in, never mind the fact that it's only a few miles away from you. So that's... uh, You're sort of diversifying all the time and learning as we go along, really.
1: It's uh, it's not just sheep you have here. You have a a big variety of animals and, (laughs) by the looks of things, activities, but what other animals do you have around?
10: Um, Well, we have ponies um, that was sort of initiated with Fiona and the girls love ponies and uh, they so we had to when we came back from Sheffield on the farm and we got land you've got to have ponies but also we've uh, in the last couple of years started with pigs and uh, so we've got two sows and always have litters of pigs and they're really entertaining I'd never kept pigs before.
1: Are these intelligent as everyone says?
10: Um, they are quite intelligent and they're very good at escaping um, <laughs> so, so they can always think of ways of getting out Um, And then we've got goats, Golden Guernsey goats, and we're increasingly trying to get rarer breeds so that when people come to stay here, because we do accommodation as well, or birthday parties, they can see different type of variety of animals rather than have 500 of the same type of sheep.
1: Fiona farming is obviously a, a very difficult life you know it's it's, it's quite hard isn't it if you've got to put in an awful lot of hours and you can't really guarantee what sort of return you're going to get I presume so is that one of the reasons why you've sort of diversified with all these different things on the farm?
0: Yeah it is I think um, it's very difficult to get a a good price for, for your produce on, on farming. And so if you diversify into tourism, people are much more happy to pay for accommodation than they are for good quality meat, which is a shame. But that's what we're hoping to try and change what we're doing here. Teach people a bit more about the value of local produce and then hopefully we'll change people's attitude. We've just started raising some veal calves um, just to, to raise the profile of that. People just don't know the fact that dairy bull calves don't get a life because people won't buy veal. And so we've started to raise veal calves. So when people come to the farm to see that, then they'll see that actually it's good to buy veal rather than the old, the bad press that the veals had over the last twenty or thirty years. Hopefully, we'll reverse that trend a little bit, even in just in this little corner of the Allermain. Jacko, this is Billy. Hello, Billy. This is Jacko, this is Jacko. The black one's Jacko, and the brown one's Billy. Oh, gorgeous. So what do we have here, John? Uh,
10: this sheep was scanned to have triplets in January, and then last night I brought her in, and then by 10 o'clock she delivered a stillborn. I obviously had to try and help the other two, and uh, the other two came out, and they were both alive, although the third one was touch and go whether it survived, so I had to really invest well, quite a lot of time, really, and eventually it could turn out. It doesn't always turn out that way.
1: Go on, go back and fail. Thanks for listening to our Best Bits of the Week. If you missed any of last week's programmes and would like to hear them in full, you can listen on demand at manxradio.com for seven days after the broadcast. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at MRWomenToday.
3: today. Don't sit in the slow lane. Join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all-new Superfast Plus Broadband. Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month.